You're listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 339. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we discuss the season one finale of the YouTube science fiction series, Impulse. And as we were saying before we went on the air, we are going to head into season two next week. But this is Super Bowl Monday, so uh, I I know what you're going to say. I I know you're feeling here that Super Bowl Monday should be a national holiday. Yes, it absolutely should be. Yes, 100 percent. But alas, or I don't understand 100 percent why the Super Bowl has to be on Sunday and can't be on like Saturday or something, but. You know, they have like the national, the college football national championship now is on Monday nights. The Super Bowl is on Sunday. They just, you know, they just want people coming in and dragging ass uh, the next day at work uh, all across the country. Yes, so, and uh, I don't know about you, you did message me about the uh, one commercial with uh, Emily Hampshire from Twelve Monkeys, but I still haven't seen that yet because, as I told you, I got started late watching the Super Bowl and I had it paused so I didn't miss anything. But I just fast forwarded through the commercials. I figure, dude. I, 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 well, I figure when the buzz starts hitting about certain commercials, I'll just go on YouTube and watch them the the way I yeah, did. You got like, there's something about seeing them, like you know, as they happen. That's, well, you know, I, I did like see Spirit of Adventure. Well, I did see the uh, Reese's Five or whatever it is commercial live, and that that was pretty good. I don't know if you remember yeah. that one, but. Not, which one was that? Uh, that was the one. The, the the they're in an office setting, and the woman's got the candy bar, and and, oh, the guy, yeah. and she's like, "What? What did you live under a rock? Yeah, what, are you born yeah, yeah, yesterday?" Yeah, yeah. And then You're right, and then the last guy's got his yeah. head up his ass. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, that was funny. Yeah, that, yeah. but um, the uh, the favorite, and you know, our sci-fi TV rewatch uh, fandom out there, I hope enjoyed the Walmart commercial that included all these. Uh, science fiction ships from across television and and movies it was really really cool it's just kind of a um, if I wanted to really geek out in front of my parents I could have sat there and identified pretty much each and every robot and ship that was that was in it but it was really cool so all right well I, and then I, the tide you know I think I told you she was in the Bud Light one because I think some I think they I feel like they incorporate the Bud Knight into the commercial, but it was is a Tide commercial, right? That uh, she was in, and they must all be Procter and Gamble or whatever the you know, major right. corporation must be. But uh, yeah. yeah, it turned out to be a good game. Uh, I was rooting for the Kansas City Chiefs, so I was certainly happy with the way things transpired. But again, like most people, I just wanted it to be a good game. I didn't have any money riding on it. I wasn't in a pool, so I could just enjoy the game. Yeah, I'd put some money down on some Super Bowl squares. I had 3-3, and if effing freaking Andy Reid had just kicked the field goal in the first quarter rather than going for it on fourth and one, I would have won 100 bucks. So, Maybe, I'll, I'll write to you. He's got enough money. I'm going to tell him he cost me 100 bucks. Well, I did see <laughs> that there was an over-under on how many yards uh, Mahomes would gain rushing, and he had gone over – and then the last few plays of the game, he took a knee, and with the yardage he uh, lost, then he went back under. Ah, <laughs> so, uh, that sucks. Anyway, all right. Well, let's uh, get into 
you know, the podcast per se and, and our first segment of what we're watching or tip of the week. And I'll go ahead and let you go first this week. Okay. Well, you know what I'm going to say, I'm sure. Doctor Who. Absolutely. Doctor Who, 100%. Wow. Okay. So if you are watching Doctor Who or might watch Doctor Who and you haven't seen this, which I can't imagine you not having run across this if you you know are out there but if you have managed to keep yourself spoiler free as far as far as what happened two sundays ago on doctor who then please there will be spoilers coming up and you should probably not listen to the next couple minutes of the show all right that being said wow (laughs) now I, i just realized before you go on that we're recording on monday which is our usual recording day doctor who airs on sunday so i didn't see the episode last night yeah so uh, are you talking about the one the week before yeah. okay cool yeah. i saw that right, because remember last week we recorded on sunday yes so we actually recorded before doctor who came on so we didn't have a chance to talk about it last week but uh but yeah i mean if you haven't heard uh there's a huge reveal that doctor who a some incarnation of him is a black female which I get they'd already had like, you know, obviously a woman with uh, Jodie Whittaker coming into play, but then this is the first uh, person of color to play the doctor. Uh, so that was a big, but the fact that there's two doctors out there and they both are legit. The doctor, uh, Chris Chibnall has said, there's no alternate timeline or anything. So this is some incarnation of the doctor. Uh, but the thing is, neither of them recognize the other which is really weird. Um, you know, one of them should definitely say, oh, yeah, okay, I remember when I was you. Uh, and there has been uh, times before, most recently, when uh, David Tennant and Matt Smith and John Hurt all got together uh, on Day of the Doctor, Time of the Doctor, some of the Doctor, I don't know. It was the 50th anniversary uh, episode. Um, so there has been times when the doctor has teamed up with a past incarnation of himself, but they've always known who, you know, recognized himself. So I guess they, did they recognize John Hurt? I first? don't think they did. The war. I doctor. don't think they did. You're right. You're right. So they didn't have, so there is some precedent there of, of, uh, uh an incarnation of the doctor that he, he wasn't aware of. So, but, uh, man blows it. Just you know, I mean, just, what what a what a left turn that they immediately put the brakes on for the most recent episode. Okay, now now two things I would say. First of all, I have not read anything that Chris Chibnall has written about it, and uh, you know how I feel about showrunners having to explain themselves. I, I just truly hate that. So. Uh, that said, who would have thought an episode that features the return of Captain Jack, that that fact would be an afterthought? Right, right. But well, no, that, yeah, like, and, right. It is because uh, I should have led with that one because I'm watching it and I hear John Barrowman's voice. I'm like, no. And then he shows up and I literally just, I threw my hands in the air. I was like, yes. yes well well, you know and my wife has really only watched it week to week since capaldi became the doctor and she loves capaldi she's warming to jody but 
Capaldi still, you know, really holds a place for her. And she's yeah. only seen a few random Matt Smith episodes here and there. And I don't think she's seen any Tenant, and certainly not Eccleston either. But, you know, ha- having said that, I had to explain who Captain Jack was and, and you know, put that into some context. But regarding the second doctor, I don't know that I'm completely convinced. So unless Chibnall has verified that, yes, she is indeed the doctor, I guess I've seen too many strange things that we thought was one thing turns out to be another. For me, the point that makes it questionable is when she picks up that laser rifle and you could argue, well, she doesn't fire it. I would say, yes, she does because she knows what's going to happen. And we all know the doctor does not use weapons, does not advocate the use of weapons. So there was that war doctor and, and and I guess um, actually, because I've been reading a bit about this, which I normally don't do, but I'm just so overwhelmed with their, this, this development, Um, you know, apparently back an older doctor was not so averse to, the use of weaponry. Yeah, probably the third doctor, maybe. I was about to say, I think, I believe it was the third doctor. Yeah, and he was stranded on Earth, so we didn't yes. really see him in the TARDIS. That's right. So it's either she falls between the second and third doctor or before Hartnell, who is the first doctor. So, Right, which uh, is another thing that I saw that there's actually an episode, maybe the third doctor, I can't remember, um, where... The, they they like kind of flash through the doctor's old lives, and there's like a bunch of faces that we haven't seen before. So apparently, there are previous incarnations of the doctor that we have that are pre William Hartnell. Okay, cool. Now, for me this week, I, I found myself over the last few weeks watching more YouTube videos than television episodes and and it just finally occurs to me that there are so many outstanding youtube content creators out there that i figured it was time that i mention a few that i'm watching that are not guitar and bass related so uh, i'm gonna <laughs> well, the problem mention, is there's so much crap too is well is and, and that's true sometimes so we you, don't know about the good stuff right so uh the three i'm going to mention they're all tech related so the first is this guy Luke Miani, and and I'll put links in the show notes for all three of their YouTube pages. And and what Luke does is he does shootouts mostly with laptop computers, but, you know, generally whether it's Windows versus Mac or, you know, Windows versus Windows, or he does things like he buys 10 uh, MacBook Pros off eBay and then sees how many of them he can get into working order stuff like that and he's really got great production values he's personable and i just love geeking out watching somebody open up a computer and it's funny because you know you and i have talked a lot you really are handy around the house and it just reminds i go back to that time when you had the flood in your house or the pipes Uh burst or whatever and you're telling me oh yeah i'm i'm gonna do it myself i'm like god too you know and and so for me it's like i i get a little nervous when i'm hanging a picture yet i think nothing of opening up my 
MacBook and you know replacing the hard drive, putting in a new battery, whatever. Right, and, I am completely the opposite. Yeah, so <laughs> you know. Anyway, Luke Miani. Now the other one is this guy Lewis Rossman, and he runs a computer repair business, but he's on a mission. Because there are so many companies, Apple included, and and again, anybody that's listened to this podcast for a while knows I love Apple and love Macs, but the consumer right to repair is apparently a big issue these days in a lot of state legislatures, and he goes around the country and talks before these people. And companies like Apple have lobbyists that come and, and basically say, oh, no, no, no if you open up your computer and change the battery, it could explode and, and kill you and, you know, your whole neighborhood. And, and, it, you know, and it's absurd. I mean, <laughs> you think back uh, to our fathers, you know, they fixed everything. Yeah. And, and, and while we still try, a lot of things have just gotten too complicated to fix. So Lewis Rossman, it's some really good stuff. AKA he does his, our cars. Yeah. Yeah. He does stuff where he takes a computer that's got a problem into an Apple store and their answer is generally, uh, it's going to be $1,200 for a new logic board. That's pretty much it. And then he goes back and it's like, opens it up. It's like, see this pin here, it's bent. I'm going to bend it back and I'm not going to charge my customer anything. So really fascinating. But the one that I am totally in love with is this, uh, young woman named Sarah Dietschy uh, rhymes with peachy, <laughs> but she also has a podcast that creative life, but she also does a lot of computer shootouts and, and things like that. Her, her background is more in video editing and her, her boyfriend, who's a prof- apparently a professional skateboarder is also in a lot of her videos, but just, just again, she's just so, likable and knowledgeable and dude if i couldn't love her anymore i found an episode where she says all right we're not going to be dealing with tech today you're going to follow me on a journey where i buy back all my guitar gear that i had to sell (laughs) to buy my my uh video gear i'm Uh, like oh my god (laughs) so anyway (laughs) so luke miani lewis rossman sarah dici uh youtube content creators i'll put the links in the show notes so all right we went a little longer than usual but i think we had a lot of good stuff to say tonight sure yeah this is well i mean i I think that's awesome because like there's just things like i'm not even aware of obviously in the world and and to hear about the stuff like i'm listening to you i'm like i'm gonna i think i'm gonna look these up man this sounds awesome so and actually it made me start uh rethinking my devotion to macintosh but uh, maybe Ooh. not enough. All right. Anyway. Really? All right. no, I, don't, I don't think anything can do that, but you never know. <laughs> you never know. All right. Episode 10, season one, the season finale of Impulse, titled New Beginnings, written by showrunner Lauren LaFranc, directed by Marzi Almas. And what I noticed that this establishes a trend that there was a different director for each episode. Mm-hmm. And you know that's kind of unheard of i don't remember any show that we've covered that that's been the case so you know interesting that they take that approach i did notice in season two that's not going to be the case there are some directors that do more than one episode but uh 
you know, again, before we went on the air, you were a, a little less than enthusiastic, and, and, and you did say, as you often do, that maybe I'll change my mind as we talk about it. So I guess we'll see. But but certainly one of the things is we see the decline of the Boone family. And do we feel sorry for anybody in the Boone family? Absolutely not. Not even a little bit. It's tr- Well, you know, honestly, the the one maybe we might feel a little bit bad for is uh, is Lucas, the and murderer. How, and how crazy is that? that and, and I crazy. agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't understand Bill's approach. I mean, Lucas's immunity has been taken off the table because of the murder and the kidnapping. And Bill apparently might not be going scot-free. We learn his assets are frozen. And, and it's like, well, did he think his deal would hold if he orders a killing? <laughs> I, yeah. You, you just don't know what this guy's thinking. Well, I, I think he's so used to having sway over this town and being the big guy and being able to basically run the place that when you know he, he reacts badly when the when he that's all that's taken away yeah. and he can't even crash on the couch of the the lady he's banging oh and she gives him money to get a room right. how great was that right and why does he get a room well, he's just sitting I, there in his car, like go get the freaking room, Bill. Yeah, I didn't see if he took the money. I assume he did not take it. And but, uh, you, well, I guess okay, his assets are frozen, so I guess he can't use his credit card. But I don't know. Yeah, but, but, but oh, that was yeah, but that was just that was just perfect. And you know, we do learn though that among his assets that have been seized is the bowling alley and. You know, we get that great scene. We'll talk a little bit more about it later when Thomas and Cleo and, and the uh, girls are are bowling, and it's just it's just so great to see everybody in this lighthearted mood, which we so rarely see. But we also see Bill's ex wife, and and you know, you mentioned maybe feeling sorry for Lucas, and while we really haven't seen anything or learned anything bad that Bill's ex-wife has done, I just don't like her. No, she's highly unlikable, as are most of the other characters in this show. But, uh... <laughs> well, um, I don't know about that, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to each one in turn. Um, yeah, I, she's just got this attitude about her. Now, it does seem as if she knows about Bill and the drug business, because th- doesn't she ask whether or not Lucas is involved well, she says something like, you know, you know, smuggling drugs, really, or something like that. So it seems like, well, she maybe really she learned it. Yeah, like she learned it, but maybe didn't know about it before. Right. Good point. Now, now she probably that. left them because of the sideburns. Honestly, is what I <laughs> well, that's that's uh, that's true. But you know, Clay confronts his father about whether Lucas hurt someone, and and there we have talked about how much clay really knows about the family business and i i think this is pretty much our answer that he really has no idea what's going on bill still thinks the millers put clay in the chair and we get these this great scene where clay's trying to convince him what he thinks that she's all about henry that is 
and tries to explain how she got him out of the fire. She crushed me because she wanted to. And, and of course, Bill doesn't believe him. And uh, wh- why would he? So, um, but it does spark something in him. And he goes to the house and, and Fred does point out, and, and I guess I'd have to have gone back to watch the episode. Fred points out, and I think he provides us a picture, how come the bed sheets aren't burned when Bill's you know, looking around the, uh, the bedroom. and Polyester, bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because I assume that was the room from which henry rescues him yeah because the 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 mangled wheelchair is in that yeah, room so right. so yeah fred that's a that's a good question i'm assuming that is a continuity error sometimes yeah. we, we talk about these shows and it's like no we meant to do that uh no i don't think so this time right you know but uh, well you just see how like people you know like i mean we had this with dark right and we just were like you know all these things we're saying oh you know there could be all these all these uh, like amazing uh, timelines and theories about you know like the calendar and everything. It turns out I was it was just a mistake, right? Hey, the uh, the so calendar which, up. And, and they went back and they actually fixed the calendar discrepancy so that you know the, the current episodes you know there, there's not that thing for people to uh, latch on to. Lucas at the Millers and the bag of money and Fred even brings that up in his feedback as well. How does Lucas get there? I mean, he doesn't seem to be there against his will. It does appear that he's given her the bag of money. Is that supposed to be restitution for having murdered her son? I guess. Yeah. What else? I mean, well, I mean, it, it it was, it's very possible that, He's been captured, and they took the money from him, but that doesn't seem very likely. I mean, how the heck would they find him? Like, no one, the cops don't know where he is. How do the Millers find him? So you're right. The The most likely um, scenario is that Lucas has gone to the Millers, give, offering this money and um you know as a way to you know try to clear his conscience right and and i still don't get halche she has no jurisdiction in canada so what the hell yeah (laughs) go back to new york and deal with yeah she's all over the place she's Uh, i I mean i don't know i mean that might be one of the issues i kind of have with this Okay. Well, I mean, the main story that we'll get to in a bit is the fact that Henry's secret is out. But I, I like the little sub-thread about Henry finding a family. And, and, and we certainly talked about how Towns and Jenna have become a family for her. And we've certainly referred to it as Team Henry. And they've had their ups and downs. And Towns has left the team. But, but tonight he seems to have returned to it. But you know, we get a little reunion between Henry and her mom. And, and again, Henry's worried about her mom, claims she doesn't want to talk about the assault. And then in the next breath, she lets everything out, which I, I really like because I think sometimes we have towns in our head that she's a superhero, which she is. And, and I guess in many ways, right. this is her origin story. But she's still a 16-year-old 
that has had these powers for like what a week i mean it hasn't been very long. right not very long right yeah yeah and just to see her pour out what happened to her to her mother and 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 again we've talked many times about the relationship that they have and that they don't have and when she says i just need to be able to not see him Mm -hmm. really emotional scene needs a normal life and and, you know a moment of honesty from cleo i I don't know how to fix this and i'm thinking you know you're fixing it by being there for your daughter You've made a lot of mistakes, but at least you're there. And it certainly contrasts against whatever happened with Clay's mother. We don't know why she left at this point. So Yeah, well, except for, you know, her husband's kind of an asshole. Well, yeah, that's that's for sure. <laughs> um, um, so, yeah. yeah but, uh, and, and then when they're I, watching the movie on her bed, that whole idea, I didn't see what you needed, but now I do. I mean- do you think she does? How? I mean, really? How can she? Really? She can't. Right? Exactly. Nah. nah. I guess that's what almost every parent thinks is that, like, I know what my kids need, but the thing is, their lives are much more complicated. You know, like when we were kids, it was the same. You know, our parents probably. I mean, do your parents have a clue of about seventy-five percent of what you were up to? Nope. Yeah. Right. <laughs> As long as we got okay grades and didn't, uh, you know, get in any major trouble, pretty much, you, you know, there was a lot of stuff that you did that your parents had no clue. Because th- th- how could you unless they locked you up and kept you in the house all the time? So, right. Or go to Florida and leave me behind. But that's a story for <laughs> did another that happen? day. Uh, nice. Yeah, it did. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, but then Clay's mother comes to visit him in the hospital, finally. And she's just not genuine. I don't know what the antonym of of genuine is. Disingenuous. Artificial. Artificial. There's just just no connection there. And, you know, I guess maybe we understand why. We don't know exactly how long she's been gone, but it it certainly seems that it's it's been a while. So um, also we say like from her treatment of Lucas and how she acts here, I – I get a feeling like she's there more out of like duty than actual affection, you know? Uh huh. See, I, now maybe this is what you mean by duty. I, I guess I feel like, see, I thought you were going to say, <laughs> he said duty. Um, <laughs> but I said, so you're the one that has a good to say point. It. Ah, you're right. Sorry. Um, That's okay. I we'll mean, work on it. I, I, I feel like she's there because it would look bad for her husband. If right. she wasn't there. And yeah, that's, that's kind of what, what I'm saying. Mean. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it almost seems at the bowling alley as if Henry has this epiphany because she's actually having fun. I, I don't, not sure how I feel about her bowling, you know, underhanded between her legs the way I like a six-year-old would. But I, I, I did like her comment about uh, when, when Jenna says, Henry playing a sport. Bowling's not a sport. Yeah. Um, well, but uh, I mean, that's kind of the great thing because, I mean, it's like perfect that it's bowling because bowling is like a thing that most people can be adequate. Well, not even adequate, but you can still like be crap at it, but you might still get at least one strike a game. Well, you know? and I think more to the point, 
everybody has fun. Right, exactly. No it's matter a, how bad you are. It, exactly, right. And, and unless you actually play for real and you're competitive, then you never have fun bowling because you, you're competitive. But for like 95% of the country, we're bad at bowling and we don't really give a shit. So when we go bowling, we just like having fun and the gutter balls are as much fun and we cheer when people get strikes. We make we mock them out when they throw it in the gutter and it's all a good time. So it's almost like the perfect thing for them to do together, you know, like it's really good family bonding. We go I I love taking the, my family bowling as much as I can cuz it's just so much fun. Yeah. And this epiphany for Henry is the realization that she could have a family and her mom is ready to pack the bags and leave, not because of anything with Thomas and Jenna, but because she feels that's what her daughter needs as a result of the sexual assault. But Henry, you know, really, I think, sees something more there. And <laughs> they're pretty weird, but in a good way. It doesn't yeah. just have to be you and me anymore. And it just... I really chalk a lot of that up to her her relationship with Jenna and Towns, and and, and you know, of course the relationship with her mom's getting better and her mom's trying and all of that. But I don't think she'd have been in this place had it not been for Jenna and Towns, and maybe even particularly Towns because he he has really stuck with her despite every attempt on her part to push him away. No, I, I 100% agree with that. And I, the more we see here, I knew this might happen. The more we talk about this, the more I'm warming up to this episode and trying to search for why I, it left a bad taste in my mouth. I, I, I can't identify it. So, but I'm starting to feel warm, fuzzy feelings about it. So it's good we're doing this. It's nice therapy. Okay. Um, because, I mean, that, that scene in the bowling alley was just, that was a really legit, great scene. Yeah, that was like, there's not a lot of happy moments in Impulse. Um, and this one is, you know. Um, and, and you're absolutely right. It's because of Jenna in town. She finally connected. Well, of course, who is the, uh, the the man bun dude? But, you know, obviously she was able to make a connection with people in other places she lived. But here are a couple people that she, you know, are legit friends, you know, and it's not like any kind of romantic involvement, just straight up friends and everything. And, you know, it also ties in with, you know, her and, and, uh, Jenna, uh, you know, sparking a, a spliff in the parking lot, you know, that, <laughs> again, how great was that? Yeah. In, yeah, in a know, bad way, in a bad way. Right. It's, <laughs> exactly. As teachers, we definitely cannot condone that action. Right. I know it happens all the time, right. but we can't condone it. Not but at it, our it's school. It's just like, it's just, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, it's in the bathroom, not in the parking lot. I mean, Jenna is still so just confused about everything, and she she tells that to to um, to Henry. You know, you know, just having this moment together, um, you know, bonding over a joint. You know, like well, right. And, was, and what also comes out of that scene, though, is Jenna's recognition that Nikolai might be coming back. I either killed him. Or he's alive and knows where we live. Right. Neither of which is particularly palatable for this 16-year-old girl who's been thrust into all this. But as you said, it's such a great scene 
because you know Henry's finally a little bit happy, and she's certainly happy that uh, she's got somebody to smoke her joint with. But you know they both have a lot on their mind, and we're starting to get this more even interchange as each unburdens herself to to the other. Again, you know, so much of this episode is about Henry and as Clay says, what are you? And yet in this conversation in the car as they're smoking the joint, you know, Jenna's wondering about her own identity and Henry tells her who you are or who you want to be. Just embrace that shit. Yeah. And it's such good advice. And that's great advice. Yeah. And and Jenna, as we know, and, and this is, come up she's always done what she thought she is supposed to do exactly and, and that like what we i mean we've all, obviously the, the her sexuality is one of the main things that she is un- unsure about because she says you know what if i die before i get to do anything i really want you know and when you think about like most high school kids bucket list like having sex smoking pot drinking beer yeah, some these are some of like the the main, like okay, I do this and it means I'm cool, I'm older, I'm more mature, I'm like an adult, you know. So they're kind of like this, like the those are probably like three of the top things in the teenage bucket list, right? And sure. Jenna's knocked out two of those recently. Um, so we say, well, like, well, what what else? What do you want, you know? And so that's kind of the question with Jenna, you know. I mean, we we can imagine suppose and theorize but um you know there's obviously what you know she she's yearning for more than you know than just to have random sex with some boy or to smoke pot in the parking lot or to sneak a beer at home and stuff like that you know um there's something more to her and and that's kind of like you know and and and, uh, and as you said henry's advice to just embrace that shit that's great advice instead of always wondering about what you should be doing, what other people expect you to do, embrace what you want to be. Right. Because you know? Henry is totally comfortable doing that, right? Sure. Right. And, and I mean, what we now have to face is the question about how someone that's not on team Henry is going to deal with her reality and, you know, Henry's standing over Clay just before teleporting her, uh, him back to her room. And, and, and visually, it's to me, it's her dominance over him at this point. You don't have right. to be afraid of him anymore. And I think her mother even says that to her when they're talking about it. But but visually, we see that. Then, of course, they're to his room and he's I'm going to tell everyone what you are. Yeah. Good luck with that. Let's see how that plays out. <laughs> and, yeah. And again, well, it, 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 you know, it also like what she says, well, okay, well, you got to leave this room first, buddy. How you gonna, you know, like, it's like, he's so ineffectual, like as a villain, like he's just like threatening. I'm going to tell everyone, I'm going to tell on you and tell everyone who you are, what you are. And Henry's like, you yeah, go ahead, you know? Right. And then, you know, and, and he realizes that while before he was this stud athlete and he had all the power, and certainly when they were in his truck, he had the power, right? And he, you know, exercised that power over Henry, and then it was taken away from him. And now he has none of the power, so all he has the ability to do is, you know, cry and, 
and shake his fist, but to no avail. So then later, he tells his mom, I want to get out of here. You know, we talked about how Henry just wants to live life and not have to see Clay. Clay wants exactly the same thing. And he's the one who's going to go limping off into the, the sunset. Right. Although, to be fair, what are his options? Uh, he has sure. no house. So um, I'm sure there are places he'd rather be than with his mother, but I guess yeah, it is but what if, it if is. But if he says, I'm going to make things tough for you, I'm going to tell people about you, well, he he could do that. He could probably make things more difficult for Henry by telling people. But it's, it would sound crazy, obviously, but that, that's an option that he has to fight, but he's not going to take that option. Okay. All right, well, Towns shows up at Henry's, and, and of course we know, because we see her do it with Clay at the fire, that she can teleport and take somebody with her, and we don't really know if she knew she was going to be able to do that. She'd never done it before. We had certainly seen others do it, but you know these were adult men, and we didn't know how long they'd had their power. I mean, certainly Nikolai can do it because we saw him do it. Sure, but uh, I love Towns' naivete when he suggests, "Well, maybe we should get Clay on our side," <laughs> and, and we're, we're thinking the same thing that she's thinking. Like, are you effing like, nuts? Uh, what? <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I love also when she tells him, "You're my sidekick," and it, it's just the perfect marriage because she realizes I can't do this alone. I need you, and she says it in words that she knows will resonate with him. And his reaction, what can I do? Right. It, it was just a, a perfect scene. And, right. and, and we said about Henry, though, too, is she is manipulative. Yeah, and I'm not saying that it wasn't nice when she said that, because it was. But she also knows that by saying things like that to Towns, is she can get him to do whatever she wants him to well, do. Well, that's true. So I guess we get to the point where we have to decide, are her actions self-serving or just really part of her maturing, uh, uh, you know, her, her development uh, uh, with these new powers? Because, I mean, what are her options at that point if she does yeah. need his help? So, but but you're right because that's what we've seen out of her previously, and then they decide, all right, they're going to take Clay and drop him off at the hospital, and they're driving along, and when Towns puts two and two together that he assaults her, he just stops the car and, and it's like he looks over his shoulder, makes sure no cars are coming, put you, know, and he's ready to <laughs> wail on Clay. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just so untowns yet you know it, it's it's I, I guess one of the great things well you forget towns is a, you know he, he's a he's a nice sized kid you know it's not like he's not some 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 skinny little kid he's he's got some size and and some strength to him you know so don't piss him off like you think he's just some nerdy guy but you cross him and you assault henry He's going to fuck you up. Right. And and then we get that scene in the cafeteria where Henry's eating alone and Town sits down and asks if she hurt Clay. And, and 
he understands that he hurt you first. I'm not, you know, blaming. And then Jenna tells Patty that nah, later and, and the three of them and Talon's like, we need to train you. And again, how many superhero shows have we seen where the hero needs to be trained? I don't sure. know that we're going to get uh, Oliver. Uh, God, I can't think of what Oliver's last Oliver name Queen. is. I was going to say Oliver Stone. <laughs> Oliver Queen <laughs> doing the bare-chested pull-ups in his basement and uh, <laughs> Felicity, you know, sitting by, you know, jaw I, I think the, the best, and it's, you know, it's, it's been a, 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 I don't know, almost cliche, but especially with the Spider-Man movies. Like, that's where we, we really, you know, Peter Parker gets his powers and he's just a kid, so he has to kind of figure it out and train himself and everything. Um, and those are like the classic superhero training himself, figuring out what he can do stuff. Right. But I, I think here there's got to be a lot more. And whether Towns means physical training, which he probably does. And, you know, we know she couldn't stand up to Clay, who's clearly much bigger than her, uh, a better, you know, he's an athlete, football player, basketball player, all that stuff. And then we see that bowling scene where apparently she's just not even strong enough. She needs to two handed. So, you know, perhaps it'll be that as well as probably some mental training. But I, I guess the event that happens towards the end of this episode, as a lot of stuff happens, is his computer's been hacked. And there's that message, if I can find you, they can too, which is pretty damn ominous. I mean, do you think this is Nikolai or somebody else? I, mean, I don't think it's Nikolai, especially since you said that and you know who it is, but uh, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think if anyone, if I had to, to, to guess, I would say it's Henry's dad. Okay. But again, that, you know, it, it could be anyone. It could be someone we don't even know yet. Who's going to be some kind of ally later on. Right. Um, but, but yeah. Well, one person we know is not going to be an ally and that's Bill Boone. And again, the juxtaposition between Henry riding her bike, she's listening to tunes. She seems happy. Her phone rings, but it's Bill at the house having a chat with her mother and he's putting the pieces together. And then then we see him and he's unshaven, clearly a desperate man who doesn't understand why his boy is afraid of a little girl. And I'm not leaving until you show me your trick. Did, did you like the way that scene transpired, though? Oh, Come on. Man, it was intense. That was an intense scene. Um, I mean, again, mother trying to get in front of her, her getting in front of her mother as Bill holds the gun on him, on them. And is he that desperate that he's going to pull the trigger? I don't know. But did, did he not? I thought he pulled... It well, seemed like he pulled the trigger. Well, he did, but I think it was because of Henry almost forcing the issue. So, I mean, uh, yeah. Well, I, I can't. Well, why does just his arm go with her? Well, I, I guess that's one of those things almost like, was it Fringe? I can't remember one of those shows where they're, you know, they, they get caught in between somehow. Oh, yeah. That was Fringe, yeah. Right. So, uh, you know what? You know, I feel like, I feel like I need a fringe rewatch this summer. Oh my God. You're not kidding. Every time man. we bring it up, I'm like, 
God damn, that was a good show, you know? I'll tell you, the like, other show, it's been so long since I saw Lost, but God, yeah, we digress. There's a lot of yeah, shows like that. Right, right. But, uh, you know, she grabs his arm with the gun, teleports away. So we're left with, you know, this the scene where at Thomas's house, there's blood everywhere. So is the blood a result of somebody getting shot? And the only person that could have gotten shot is Cleo. Cleo, right. Right, because Henry's not been shot. And, you know, Bill's, well, Bill I mean, he's had his arm torn off and he's yeah, holding the gun. Arm. So um, his arm traveled to India. Right. And she, she's got that initial feeling of safety. And then she sees Bill's severed arm lying next to her holding the gun. And yeah, I mean, I, I think, it, I mean, my feeling is it's India. I mean, she, you know, we get that scene where she goes and I assume that's the ocean given everything we see in terms of the clothing that people are wearing, the language they appear to be speaking, um, assuming it's India. Fred, I think, concurs with that idea as well. But yeah, he said India or Bangladesh. I mean, it's clearly in the 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 you know, it looks like the Indian subcontinent somewhere. Right, but is this her dad's place? Because she well, finds seems that like it, right? Family photo on the table, and it's been folded up in the four four pieces. But uh, what'd you think about the way she gets back to her bedroom? Ah, that was pretty cool. After it. And, you know, the more I talk about this, obviously, I've realized I said a lot of positive things about this show. So I think maybe I maybe I was in a bad mood when I was watching. I don't know because <laughs> uh, I guess the show was actually this episode was pretty good because that was really and you knew what she was doing. She heard she hears the train. She starts running to her like, oh, I know what she's going to do, and she jumps in front of it in order to create that that right. that fear for her life that that kicks her. Her power into motion, everything. Right. And she gets back to her bedroom, can't find her mom, but sees a trail of blood on the floor, yeah. blood on the windows. So there's, and again, I guess if you rip somebody's arm off like that at the, at the <sighs> shoulder. That's going to create a significant amount of blood. Yeah. Yes, it is. And <laughs> the blood trail leads from the house outside through the snow. Like, which, follow which the get, red bloody road. Exactly. Follow the, the red bloody road. Follow, 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 follow the red bloody road. And she finds Nikolai dealing with Bill's body in a vat of acid. Well, maybe Bill's body. Well, quite a mess you left me here. I bet you got a lot of questions. So yeah. now the question for us, is Nikolai good or bad? Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, by asking or, or by telling Henry... I bet you got a lot of questions implies that he's willing to answer them. If he's yeah, bad, he, why would he? But uh, I, he I also might be thinking he he tried the hard sell and it didn't go over very well. well so maybe point. if he if he soft pedals this one a little bit, that maybe he'll be a little bit more successful. Right. So we're kind of left with Henry has teleported to what appears to be India may or may not be her father's place, which it also begs the is. question, if she thought it was her father's place, why didn't she hang around longer? Was it the detached Well, because arm? She, she, she had to get back right away. To her mother. Because, like, yeah, her mother, right? Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, and then, of course, getting back there and finding that uh, Nikolai 
look, it, it, let's assume for sake of argument, who, else, who whose body could it be? Well, I, it, but is it just one? Well, okay, is it just one? I mean, there, there don't seem to be two blood trails. I mean, I guess they could overlap. But it's but, just blood. You know, it's, it's not like, it's just, yeah, it could be anyone's blood. Okay. Um, I mean, the, the thing is, we don't know what, what's happened to Cleo. Obviously, our, our first assumption is, yeah, I mean, Bill got his arm ripped off. I, I don't imagine there's a high survival rate to that happening. Not in a town ripped like off that. At, like at the shoulder, you know? Yeah. I feel like there's probably a lot of blood vessels that are going to be right. working at that point. So then um, is it Nikolai covering for sure. Henry? So right. why would he cover for her? Now, granted, well, again, he can't, it could he can't be, have the cops getting a hold of her. Okay. And again, it may be he's just going to get her and take her back to the bad people who want to experiment on her. All of that may be true. You know, we certainly don't know. But we're, we're left with a lot at the end for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, big um, cliffhanger. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to bring up before we listen to Fred this week? Oh, we find out that the Keegan Michael Key is dead. Yeah. <laughs> it what takes me hell? back. To, it takes me back to the very first episode that yeah. we podcasted, and you were convinced. Well, they don't get somebody like you know uh, Keegan yeah. Michael Key if they're going to only have him in one scene. I'm like, yeah, yeah, they might. Yeah, what TF? WTF, <laughs> man? You know, like. Like, like, there's probably people who who watch episode one just because they saw he's in it, and so there's like, oh, okay, cool. If nothing else, he's probably like in a scene where he's like really funny, right. and he's not funny. He he ends up getting stranded in, I guess, the Arctic someplace, and then the next thing we hear about him is he's freaking dead. Like, what the hell? Like, I, I was just so looking forward to, like, him actually being in some of these episodes. I was just, I couldn't believe they did him like that. Just They just mentioned him offhand. Like, oh, yeah, this guy, you know, he's dead. And you're just like, yeah. what, what? Wait, what? <laughs> I know. So, All right, anything else? I think that's about it. Okay. All right, well, why don't we hear what Oh, oh, oh what, I'm sorry. Okay. So- Bill like goes back to his house, right? And it's all burned out. I'm like, hello, metaphor. You know, like like he's Bill considers the ramifications of his empty, burned out shell of a life as he looks at his empty, burned out shell of a house. You know, you can almost hear the voiceover. Thank God we didn't, but you can almost hear it. Yeah, I like it. And I hate it. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, well, let's hear what Fred's got this let's week. Let's hear what Fred's got to say. Hello, Dave and Wayne and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Impulse, Season 1, Episode 10, the Season 1 Finale. Whoa, very good episode. But first I want to talk about, in the section, what are we watching? That is, of course, Star Trek Picard. And I have to say, I'm quite satisfied how this series is doing. First two episodes are out, 
and probably you want to watch it, Wayne, but you didn't have CBS All Access, I think. It's it's quite nice, and it ties in quite nicely into the next generation story of some decades ago, without being forced or something like that. It's it's subtle, it's good, it's it's canon, and I'm actually happy that you are not doing a podcast about it because then otherwise I would have to give feedback for four different Star Trek Picard podcasts. Although it could have happened because you, Dave, are going to do an episode about it with Mike on Sci-Fi Fidelity. But you don't accept audio feedback there, so that's okay. And I'm really looking forward, Dave, what do you think about it? Because you were saying last podcast you're not into this, actually. That is probably mainly because of, well, Star Trek being just Star Trek, but also I think you got demotivated by watching a few episodes of Star Trek Discovery. Well, the first season of Star Trek Discovery was indeed quite strange. The second season is much, much better. So I'm happy you're not doing Star Trek Picard because then I would have to give feedback for four different Star Trek Picard podcasts and of course I'm using some audio fragments for different podcasts but if you're listening to more than one podcast then you hear this silly Dutch guy everywhere telling his same story and why am I doing that well a lot of these podcasts I am with them for a very long time like Mark Decote in Canada So imagine you would do Star Trek Picard now. Would I then interrupt my 100 plus audio feedbacks in a row? No, of course not. So that same is true for some other podcasts. Okay, into this season finale. I liked it a lot. And actually, I'm really going to watch the first episode of the second season. I thought that when we watched and podcasted about The Magician season one, but waited then because you were not certain if you would do the second season. And I still didn't watch the first episode of the second season. And that happens even more often. But with this series, it got better and better and better. And I really want to know what's going to happen next episode. So I hope you will do season two as well. If I look back and look at how those 10 weeks went for this season, it's uh, it's done before you know it. Well, I was quite enthusiastic about this episode, so let's get the nitpick out of the way first. And that is when Bill Boone goes into his burned house and goes into Clay's room that the bed is not burned. I mean, there are sheets on it, uh, blankets on it. That's not burned. And if you saw how... It was burning when Henry was rescuing Clay. It's, I think, impossible that that part of his room did not burn, especially blankets, etc. They will burn. Or Clay should have had blankets and sheets made out of fire-resistant steel. And talking about Clay, of course we all thought that the rescuing him by Henry would turn him a little bit around, but no. Clay remains Clay, top of the shelf, a-hole, and the first thing he does after Henry saves his life is accusing her for crippling him in the first place. It's not even his second thought, it is his first thought. 
I like that Henry is bonding with her mother and they finally getting together as they should be. Although they're both only telling half the story, because Henry is still not telling, she is able to teletransport and Cleo is not telling the whole story about Lucas. But still, it's much, much better. And also the interactions with Jenna and her father. And after getting somewhat more lucky moments, like in the bowling alley, you could of course expect that something horrible is going to happen. Well, perhaps she loses her mother, but on the other hand, she found her father, and she wonders where she is. Well, I stayed half a year in India, and this is clearly India, perhaps Bangladesh, And yeah, she does another very brave thing and jumping in front of the train, which also looks very Indian, by the way, to get back home. And of course, I don't have to tell it actually here because everybody knows that that the big cliffhanger is what is happening or what happened to Cleo. Is all the blood we see just Bill Boone's blood? I wonder what Mrs. Miller is going to do to Lucas and whether he went on his own to the miller's farm or got caught by some kind of posse by the millers. I wonder why she took not her mother, and I was actually expecting that she would take her mother, and that would prove to her mother that something is very special about Henry, but that didn't happen. On the other hand, it's all still quite random, and she cannot control it. And that made a very, very nice cliffhanger. This would be an awful end if they wouldn't have got a second season. I don't know if they already knew it when they made this episode. I think uh, Henry is quite brave at the end to go for Nikolai and address him and go into the barn. On the other hand, she does want to know things. The acid bot Nikolai is preparing did remind me A lot of Breaking Bad, of course. Great. All the best, Fred, from the Netherlands. All right. Well, uh, you know, I'll comment on my thoughts on Picard to this point. Uh, but Fred, Fred, you ever think about having your own podcast? I mean, seriously, because you leave so much feedback and yeah. really well thought out, constructive, uh, just audio is always great. So um but again i can see you know wanting to do it the way you're doing it multiple feedbacks to uh, multiple picard podcasts uh i can see where it's difficult to keep things fresh but as to my feelings about picard and and i've seen the first episode which apparently is free um you know michael hooked me up with a screener for uh one and two and as i told michael after i saw episode one I didn't hate it as much as I thought I was going to hate it. <laughs> Episode nice. two, I'm really struggling to get through. Ha- again, I think I even said it on this podcast. You start forgetting where I said it and to who I said it. But Picard was never my captain. It just you know, just the time frame. James Kirk was my captain. Sure. And that said, there definitely reached a point when... William Shatner, you can let it go. And the the writers need to let it go and create a new character, create a new captain. And, oh. and certainly they did that with Picard. 
And yeah. I gave Next Generation 10 episodes. <sighs> and it's just not doing it for me. And I've been told, uh, oh, season two is so... you got No, look, if 10 episodes, I'm not buying into anybody... I, I just have I just, to I, cut my losses. I, I know. I, I, I can't. I can't. I can't. I just can't roll with that, man. But I, I get it, though. Yeah. I get it. So, uh, you know, I, I'm sure it's good. Like I said, I liked the first episode. I thought that was pretty good, but I'm struggling with the second. And, you know, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I'm trying to have an open mind. I, I, I love Patrick Stewart. I mean, as an actor, I mean, yeah. Nothing against him. So. Yeah, we'll, we'll and, see. And his Captain Picard is really he's he's so different. I, and that was like you can tell when they made Next Generation, they purposefully made a captain that was just completely the opposite of James T. Kirk. You know, yeah, someone mm-hmm. who is not like as impulsive and fly by the pants kind of like that. Which which is why we loved James T. Kirk. Right. right, and sure. James and and Captain Kirk was my first because when I was a kid, I watched Star Trek all the time, and I loved all those early episodes. But Next Generation just I really bonded with with that show, like when I was in college and stuff, and and afterwards, uh, really really loved it. But um, but not enough to get CBS All Access though. Yeah, I mean, have you seen the first episode for free? No. I think it might no. be on YouTube. But I'm not, yeah, I'm I guess not, I'm not gonna watch it just because just watch be able to watch the first episode you know um i don't know maybe later i can you know buy the season or something like that but right you know i've got this there's so much now and uh altered carbon hello season two coming up in a couple weeks yeah did you know Uh, that i i did actually michael and i just interviewed the showrunner uh, no la- way last week yeah oh, so awesome. so uh i don't know when that interview is going to be published on den of geek but uh, it, so, I, mean, it, I, I still haven't watched season two of lost in space i haven't there's, finished there, it. it there's so much to to, to watch that I, I can't get too upset that i can't watch picard you know i know and then and i'm finally into season five of the magicians and I will say you're you're into season five, right? You're um, watching currently, right? That's like a new season. Yeah, well, the the season that's going on now of the magicians. They they start a new season on me. Yeah, it's like about episode four at this point. What? Yeah. So Dude, I uh, didn't even know that. Okay. Well, I, I <sighs> well then I'm going to shut up because there's a big spoiler. I can't remember where it happens. Whether it's so the then, end of season so, but four. you haven't fi- have you finished season four yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. the person that ended up dying is not who I thought. I knew somebody was going to die, and I thought I knew who it was, and then that's not who it turned out to be. So oh, that was really? cool. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, well, that wasn't cool. Well, yeah, I know, I know. Kind of traumatic. Well, if I had to, if I had to lose one of the two, <laughs> gotcha. All right. Anyway, uh, Fred mentions whether or not the showrunners knew they were going to get a second season when they made this episode, and I guess my answer from having the opportunity to talk to a lot of showrunners sometimes they do sometimes they don't and they all take different approaches i think this would be 
a pretty crappy way to end the series. You know, yeah. some sometimes you can live with you know the ending that you get, even though you know it's not the one they really wanted. But yeah, this is too much of a cliffhanger. So I I don't know, Fred. I you know I just don't know, but. I got to feel yeah, um, that they did know they were getting I, I, I feel like they did as well. And you have to think, I mean, I know it is, they have really good like production values and everything, but you know, it's not like it's, they have huge stars in there or anything. So they're probably not paying. It probably doesn't cost that much to produce an episode. So, you know, like YouTube might've been like, yeah, sure. All right. Uh, anything else about Fred's feedback? Um, just I, I love the last bit about uh, Breaking Bad and the classic scene from really maybe even the first episode where you know Jesse goes to take care of a body and he he puts in the porcelain bathtub and pours in the sulfuric acid which eats through the bathtub and then yeah collapses <laughs> through the floor. Uh, that was awesome. So yeah, all right. Fred, thank you as always. And, and, uh, you know, I guess we'll leave the discussion there. I think we mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to pick up season two of impulse next week. And I think you're going to really like season two. I love season one. Uh, what are you giving this one for a grade now that we've had a chance to, uh, you talk know, it through? I, 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 I'm trying to put my finger on as I was watching it, what like kind of, I guess there was so much action in the last and there's you know like you go from this like hyper action shootout all kinds of stuff and then there's like no action at all in this one it's like people sitting around like talking and stuff um but actually talking through it i i realized that this actually was a pretty good episode i still I, I, taking my initial feelings into consideration i'm going to give it a b plus i think okay all right um i'm at least going a minus and no surprise on that i'm i'm still talking to myself about whether or not i want to go just with a solid a or not but um, i I guess here's here's the thing and because this is a a season ender right and and while it does have a big cliffhanger at the end they're just like it doesn't seem like they're really moving toward. Like it didn't seem like it seemed like a, it, like it just a, if it were just a regular episode, I'd probably give this like an A. But as a series, not sorry, I'm sorry, a season ender, which probably know they could have been looking down the gun of a this being a, a series end. It just didn't seem like it didn't have that extra level of intensity that you would think you would have in a in the last episode of a season fair enough so all right i just want to bring up one quick point about our doctor who discussion earlier that that occurred to me and i'd even written it down here and forgot to get it into the conversation when we talked about the fact that there are two doctors at this point or so it would appear i know you're not at this point in buffy the vampire slayer and and are likely to never get to this point in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Probably. But, but there is uh, an episode in which Buffy dies. And the uh-huh. whole thing with the Slayer is that there's always one Slayer in the world and that when one dies, another one comes and takes her sure. place. 
And of course, Buffy's eventually brought back to life. But what happens in the meantime is Eliza Dushku comes on the scene as Faith, who is the new Slayer. And oh, by the way, I was only mostly dead. So now we have two <laughs> Slayers. Right. So I wonder if there's going to be something quirky like that that's going to explain why we have two although as you point out in i don't know day of the doctor night of the doctor whatever it was called when we have uh matt smith tenant and john hurt all together right it wasn't capaldi was it i don't think it was capaldi no because he he, no yeah it was yeah uh, no he wasn't he wasn't the doctor yet right so uh you know who knows but anyway we'll leave that for another day yeah. So, so I, I I just looked up on Wikipedia. And it looks like um, season one of Impulse premiered on June sixth, twenty eighteen, and it was renewed on July nineteenth. So they clearly had filmed the last episode already. You you can watch them all at once if you have YouTube, like if you subscribe to YouTube, right or whatever. That's correct. Right. Right. So they'd already filmed it all. So so no, they didn't know that they were getting a season two. Um, when they were, you know, created the uh, episode 10. Unless they had a secret word ahead of time, which uh, I I did find out was the case with Van Helsing that, um, you know, but we all, we, we knew, you know, right in in advance. So who knows? Anyway. Well, I like to say until I see it in writing, you know, exactly. So, all right, let's go ahead and leave it there. And, uh, we will be back next week. That's going to do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Watch. want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Impulse. Anything else going on on genre television, encourage you to join the Facebook group. Get into the discussions there. You can leave us an email at sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com or a voicemail via the SpeakPipe tab, which you can access through the website. Record your own audio clip the way Fred does and send it to us as an attachment. We'll be back next time to discuss the Impulse Season 2 premiere titled Mind on Fire. But until then. You know, I think the key to podcasting, Dave, is that you don't have to pretend to give a shit. <laughs>